In this episode of Ask Paul Kirtley, we are going to talk about my go-to bivvy bag, looking after boots on hiking trips and keeping in backpacking shape, something which, frankly, I'm not at the moment. Welcome, welcome to episode 83 of Ask Paul Kirtley. Now, I think this will be less of a ramble through my uh, unconscious brain than perhaps the end of the previous one. Um, much more practical questions here, which I hope will uh, help many of you who are watching. I've got a coffee and it's just stopped raining, so I thought I would sit down underneath this uh, willow and answer a few of your questions. Thank you for sending them in. Keep sending them in, um, in the order that they're here in my uh, little folder. So this is one that's come through on Twitter from Rowan Blackwood. His question is, hi Paul, what's your go-to bivy bag? I have seen you use the Snug Pack SF bivy, but that was specifically for ultralight. Just wondering if you use another bivy as your daily go-to. Thanks. Hashtag Ask Paul Kirtley, and that's important, of course, for me to find those questions. Thank you, Rowan. Good question. Yeah, so as Rowan said, I've done a couple of videos quite a few years ago now. It frightens me how quickly the years go by. Quite a few years ago on my channel, and also um, they were on my blog at paulkirtley.co.uk, um, about lightening the load with your sleeping and tarping and bivy kit, um, not over engineering it. And one of the things that I showed in that was um, a, a very lightweight setup with uh, an integral design siltarp, a mountain equipment two season down bag, um, and an ultralight um, three quarter length thermarest, ProLight I think it was, and, and the SF bivy. And then I also I think I did another um, video on how to set that lighter setup up at some point as well. And um, yeah, I, I like that um, SF bivy. Uh, my uh, colleague Henry got one initially and I was impressed with it. I thought it might be a bit flimsy. It feels quite thin and it packs down really small and he had it for a while and it lasted well. And, and so I, I got one too and I like it in the summer. Um, I like top zip bags generally because you can zip them open, sit up and the layout on the ground cover that you want behind without them all kind of riding up and pulling everything. So if you've got things, you know, you want to put stuff there as you take your top off and what have you, if you want to put things there as a pillow, it's everything's there that needs to be and then you can or you can just get up and get out quickly and all those sorts of things without without disrupting everything so i like top zips i particularly like top zip bags in the winter so for like winter winter and i mean like five season use if you like so winter in very snowy conditions in the boreal um if i'm using a bivy bag there i like the dutch military bivy bag because as as big as i am i'm six foot a bit sort of 181 or something like that meters which isn't that big by the dutch standards they're very tall as a nation i think the tallest nation on earth um, on average their bivy bags are quite large 
So I find them really good for winter because you can get a big sleeping bag in there. You can put other things in there as well. People on my online elementary have seen a couple of videos about winter bivvying there and people who've done winter courses with me in the past will know exactly what I'm talking about where you can get other things in there without compressing the bag and that's important. So one of the things why that's relevant then is the SF bag isn't huge and if I'm using a if I'm in the winter with a big puffy winter bag, it's a bit constrained, particularly if you want to put a full length sleeping mat in there as well. So that's one of the reasons I use it as part of my sort of ultralight summer setup, because I'm not trying to put too much other material in there and it also packs down. Um, and probably you don't need that as much protection in the summer as well, even though it is very protective. So. I like it. It's in proportion with the rest of the of the setup. Have I used it in um, autumn and, and uh, spring in the UK with three to four season bags? Absolutely. Have I used it in the winter in the UK um, when it's cold and damp? Yes, I have. But as I say, with a four season bag, I find um, it, it's a little bit small for me uh, personally. Um, so what I tend to use just as my general purpose go-to bag and one that I recommend to many people and we've got boxes full of them um, for our courses. Here comes the rain again. I've got boxes full of them um, for courses um, as just the British military, the standard MOD bag, whether it's an olive green one or a DPM or any other any other camouflage pattern we've just got old og and and dpm ones um and they work well they're not super heavy they pack down reasonably small and they are robust and they're reasonably roomy they're, they're very simple um there's no zips and and whatnot in there it's literally just a sock if you like for your sleeping bag but i like them i've used them for years they wash well they reproof well with Nick Wax, which is what I do, Nick Wax uh, TX Direct. So that's my kind of work a day. I'm just in the woods for a week under a tarp teaching a course. That's the one I grab and bring with me. And that's any season of the year in the UK. So that's, that's my go-to. As I say, if I want to really cut the weight, I've got the SF bag. And if I want to go bigger for winter with a top zip bag and a top zip sleeping bag so that I can get in and out, in the snow etc while that can just fall away and without pulling everything around and just a little less awkward then I use the Dutch bag with a um, Nanok top zip uh, five season um, Arctic bag that those are my kind of systems and I probably should make some videos on some of those things at some point I know um, but I try not to make my channel too much about kit but of course I use this stuff a lot, people can benefit from it. The only problem I get though is like, for example, that, that video that you're referencing there, um, that sleeping bag that Mountain Equipment made, which I really like and I still use it, I've, I've been using it again recently and I'll be using it on a course uh, the week after next again, um, it's August, um, packs down, it's really light, it's not too warm for sleeping in the summer as well, which is, you know, you get too sweaty. Yes, you can take your three or four or five season bags out in the summer, but personally, I just get too hot and sweaty in them. So I like it for that, but the problem that I get now, just after I put that video out, they discontinued that model for some reason. Um, and then people still write to me now saying, oh, you know, you, you recommended this bag. What else would you recommend? Well, actually I didn't recommend that bag in the first place. I was just saying, that's what I use. Um, 
and it was about the principle. It's a two season lightweight down bag. That's the point. Mountain equipment, zero, whatever it was, 400, I can't even remember what the hell it's called now. Um, that's not the important point. It's the principles. The principles are the important things. If I can get the principles across to you, then you can go and work out. You know, you can go to RER, you can go to MEC, you can go to Cotswolds or, you know, wherever, whatever your local camping store is or your supplier that you've, or manufacturers that you've got available to you locally and get the right stuff with um, some semblance of, of reference to the principles that I'm sharing. It's not about particular pieces of equipment, unless I say it's about particular pieces of equipment. And in that case, it, it wasn't. So two season down bag, ultralight SF bag, ProLight Thermarest, Siltarp, um, integral design Siltarp one, great little combo, weighs very little. I'll link to the video if you've not seen that one before. It's quite popular on my channel, which means if I was like a real YouTuber going for views, I probably should just make loads of that type of stuff. But um, anyway, I'm gonna try and keep this concise today, so I'll stop going off on tangents. Looking after boots on hiking trips. Um, again, this is a Twitter question from Joey G. And uh, their question is, hey Paul, What's your preferred way to clean and maintain leather boots while outdoors on a trip um, or using boots every day? Leather needs a lot of upkeep. So if you were doing a week long trip, would you clean whilst out? Nice picture of uh, boots and rucksack and whatnot there as well. So yeah, I do tend to use leather boots when I'm working. Um, I tend to wear some rogues um, when it's warm and dry, or I tend to use lower, um, like patrol boots or military boots um, when it's a bit wetter and I need a bit more grip in the mud, particularly here in Sussex where we run courses. Um, the mud's quite heavy, uh, clay-based soil, and it gets very greasy when it gets wet. So having a good lugged tread to maintain some semblance of grip is, is um, important and so yeah I I just use I've used all sorts over the years and um, but while I'm out in the field I will just use um, I use a, an old nail brush if I need to clean mud off just a bit of warm warm water and um, possibly a tiny bit of soap if necessary but usually not warm water just to brush off the mud and then um, let them dry a little bit so they're not absolutely dripping wet damp is fine and then I just put boot polish on so like a kit like a standard boot polish as opposed to like a parade gloss um, so and just try and keep getting some of that in every day um, if necessary and then when, a, when they're home I'll maybe use some more um, you know dubbing type things you know that type of sort of more penetrating waterproofing treatment and um, I've moved over entirely to boots now that don't have a waterproof membrane liner and so I also um, use uh, waterproof socks like seal skins as and when I need to with the with the uh, with the boots but I also find that means that they don't hold as much moisture when I'm using them in the field even if they get a bit damp um, um, and that's just the system I use so I just try and keep them clean um, try and um, put some polish on when I'm hiking it depends where I am like um, I mean when I'm hiking in Scotland um, and we'll come on to that with the, the fitness um, 
I used to tend not to, uh, I used to wear sort of full grain leather boots. I used to tend not to take anything with me. I used to just make sure they're in really good nick before I went. I was never going for more than a week, right? So, and I'm not in, you know, I'm in acidic peat bog a little bit perhaps, you know, through heather over rocks and, and whatnot. But I just, you know, made sure they were fully well treated before I went, wore them, did the hike. Because again, I don't want to even carry a tin of boot polish with me, right? So, um, but I think if I was going for longer than that, if I was doing a longer distance trail and I was using leather boots, I would probably take a very small amount of whatever I used, possibly decanted just to, the, the thing I always found with particularly, you know, doing sort of week long backpacking, mountain climbing, mountain walking trips in Scotland or what have you, um, was it was always just the fronts that got scuffed. I think combination of the, 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 the heather and some of the abrasive rocks etc it was always the front of the toes that got scuffed so i think just a little bit of something to put on there just a little bit of boot polish into a container like a little nile tiny little nalgene or something that might be a good thing to take just to keep them in good nick but to be honest with you i don't tend to use that type of boot now for for backpacking um which is why i'm being a little bit um academic about it sort of speculative about what i would do if i was using the type of boot that i used to wear because what I tend to wear are um, more fabric-based boots, um, perhaps with a, a reinforced bit around the toe. Um, so I've had some, um, what did I have? Garmont um, boots that I quite liked, really gripper uh, sole. I've had some Scarpers, um, Akus, various different ones, but all very similar in the sense that they're, um, they're fabric and I, they don't need polish on them or anything and quite a soft sole so they're grippy on rock as well when you're up in the hills um and in the winter i got some uh scarper winter boots i can't remember the model they're bright red and yellow they're, they're really good um but again um they do they have kind of like new book leather but then they're they're reinforced around the front they've got a big rubber band around the front and that's the bit that always gets worn on my boots when i'm in the hills so again i don't you know, and that tends to be just going out maybe for an overnighter sort of snow hole or a bivy or something, but tends to be just day hiking that I do, day walks in the mountains in the winter in Scotland, um, back to a, a bothy or a warm <laughs> a warm uh, accommodation in the evening or something. Um, days are so short anyway. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of me. Um, the, the, the heaviest use that I make of leather boots is just being out and about in the woods all the time and working in the woods. Um, spring, summer and fall particularly in the UK and um, I get a good few years out of a, a you know as I say I have a lighter weight um, set of rogues and I have a set of um, lowers and neither aligned both are leather completely leather and I just use boot polish on them um, just regular kiwi or cherry blossom or what have you and then just make sure they're reasonably clean as well that's it so again, a couple of different things to kind of go off on. I do use Yorn Kangens, I do use Lund Hags, you know, with the rubber feet and things, different subject altogether. Um, but that's more for winter, winter use. So keeping in backpacking shape. Now, this is from Peter, by the way. What's your recommended way to get or stay in backpacking shape aside from getting out there with a rucksack, e.g. when your time outdoors is limited? Now, um, I'm not in great shape at the moment. I'm probably in the worst shape of my entire life after having a, um, well, a year and a half of COVID uh, restrictions. Um, 
I naturally kind of go up in weight a bit over the winter normally and then as I you know I normally do some sort of winter trip or I like to do some sort of winter trip in January or February um, and then get back into teaching late March uh, in terms of teaching courses in the UK and then I'm teaching right through the year normally do about eight weeks of canoe tripping in amongst that as well um, and so my weight kind of comes down as I'm working and then and, I, and my fitness goes up and then um, my weight you know I tend to put the pounds on over the winter a bit you know I'm indoors more and um, even you know if I am out during the day the days are shorter I'm doing less I'm not tripping as much um, I'm catching up with the business I'm eating well Christmas wine whiskey all of those things puts the weight on right um but during those periods normally i do try and keep some semblance of of sort of fitness because otherwise it's just harder when you get back to the sort of late winter and early spring um i do like to get out walking um generally and i think for me that's kind of like the baseline um and still even through covid i've gone out for walks um, but i haven't done as much going away staying places and hiking which is another reason why you know I've put weight on other people have put weight on as well and I don't particularly like and this is me um, I've used gyms a lot in the past but I don't like going to gyms just for the sake of exercising for burning calories right I like having a goal I like to be training towards something so I think that's one thing for me is if you want to keep fit for backpacking or you're, or you're training for a trip you want to do, whether it's, you know, a long distance path you want to hike or, you know, whatever it is, what your goal is with your backpacking is have that goal in mind. That's the first thing, because I think I, I find just training for the sake of it, I find that difficult. And if you're just, if you just go out for a walk with a backpack, you know, if you do your normal walking um, route for you know you, what you might do for a morning walk or an afternoon walk or something yeah you can put your backpack on and i do do that sometimes one of the things that i've done in the past is um if i know i've got a hiking trip come up but i haven't done tons and tons of hiking rather than just going for a walk for two hours what i'll do is i'll go for a walk and i will put a five liter you know like the five liter bottles of water that you get from the local store i'll put that in a day pack where, and I'll put a, a waterproof jacket in there, I'll put a litre of water to drink, and then I've got like, you know, seven kilos there to carry, um, and I do my normal walk, and that just helps. Um, and I don't have a waistband with that, and I do that specifically, because it help. you know, it's not all day that you've got that hanging off your shoulders, but it's long enough that you start to feel it a bit, but it does start to strengthen up a little bit where you need to have in your upper body, you're having to stabilize it with your core and of course you're exercising your legs in the same way as, as when you're walking. Um, so that's something that you can just modify. If you're going out for walks, you know, two or three times a week anyway, just as part of your routine, just to get your, your head clear or what have you, you can just throw a backpack on of a moderate weight and do that. If, you, if you're training for something a bit harder, then what I do is I kind of take it a step further and I'd recommend you could do the same thing is you don't have to hike all day, but it's again about getting your body used to the load. So what I have is a, is a 20 litre jerry can, like the black plastic jerry cans that we have in camp um, that we use for the water supply. Um, I have one of those. And of course, the great thing about that is that you can, you don't have to fill it. Um, so if you wanted to start with, you know, 10 litres in there, which would be 10 kilos, um, about 20 pounds or whatever, 22 pounds, um, you could do. Um, but I tend to work with the five 
you know, five to seven kilo backpack and then I'll just, okay, right now, maybe once a week, put the big backpack on. So it's like my backpacking backpack with a waist belt with a full 20 litre jerry can in there, which is 20 kilos, which is more than I would carry on a normal backpacking trip these days, unless I'm loaded with tons of food. Because um, again, we talked about kit, you can get lightweight sleeping bags, lightweight baby bags, lightweight tents, um, everything, you know, titanium pots, there's so much lightweight kit now. When I started backpacking, you know, 30 odd years ago when I was a student, A, I couldn't afford lightweight gear really, and B, there wasn't that much around. And so everything was heavy um, and I was quite slight. And so I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But one of the problems I had was I was very fit in my legs because of my cycling, but my upper body struggled on the backpacking trips with the heavy gear on my shoulders, just because even with a waist belt, I just got really sore traps and really sore shoulders. And so that was something that I needed to work on. Um, but what I tend to do now is if I'm going, like there's a two hour walk route that I do fairly regularly and I'll normally just walk it, right? But then if I know I've got something coming up, I'll, do, I'll start with a five litre water, you know, a few extra bits in there, make it about seven or eight kilos. And then if I know I've got a really hard hike coming up, um, I'll, I'll take the 20 odd, you know, it's a two kilo backpack that I use and a 20, uh, kilos of water plus the jerry plus a water plus a liter of water to drink but i'll still only go out for a couple of hours and um that's more weight than i'm likely to be carrying and if i'm if i'm got my normal backpacking summer backpacking trip um set up it's less weight than that so even though my my time that i'm training is less than walking for a full day i'm carrying more weight than i would do um, on a backpacking trip, unless I'm taking more than a week's worth of food. So that's training me quite well. Um, but that's, that's quite a flat route, okay? But at least it's, it's, it's getting my body used to the load. So that's one thing I, would, I, I could recommend. So it's, it's not any extra equipment other than a jerry can. I mean, you could just pack your backpacking kit in there if you wanted to, but I, I quite like overloading it. Um, and the easiest way I've got of overloading it is putting 20 liters of water in there. Um, what I also found is I used to do a lot of cycling. I don't do so much cycling anymore. Um, and I used to do a lot of mountain biking and cross-country mountain biking. I used to do cross-country mountain bike racing. So I was quite slight. Um, I used to weigh about 11 stone back then when I was racing. Um, and I had a lot of strength in my legs. Um, and I would do weight training for my legs over the winter and stuff as well but I didn't have a ton of upper body strength. And so I always found the rucksack started to wear on me a little bit when I was backpacking. I had no trouble with my legs, apart from on really, really steep slopes, my calf muscles took it in a way that they didn't when I was cycling. Um, and so I'd find just doing weighted calf raises would be good for, and you can do that with your rucksack on, right? You don't, you don't need to do anything with bars or anything. Um, just put a rucksack on and do calf raises. Um, it's better if you can overload it because you're doing a lot of repetitions on a steep hill, right? Whereas you don't want to, you know, it gets boring doing that many calf raises, but if you can get to a point where you're, you've, you've increased the strength way beyond what you need for going up the hill in terms of carrying you and your, and your backpack, then when you come to do the hill, it, it's easier. That's what I found. So if you can, you know, if you've got your backpack and you overload it again, but then maybe hold a couple of weights or something as well, a couple of kettlebells or something that these days easily available, then you're kind of adding 
maybe like 40, I mean, you could, if you could hold two 20 kilo kettlebells um, plus um, your 20 kilo, you've got like 60 extra kilos on top of your body weight there that you could use for doing calf raises. And you get your calves pretty strong doing that. Um, the other thing I find that's good is if you can find a steep slope and I don't have one of these near to where I live I have one near to where I work right so sometimes I do this depending if, if I'm working down here a lot there's quite a good few little steep hills around here um, find something that takes you at least a minute to climb and um, preferably a, a, a two minutes but you know minute to two minutes and then do hill repeats with a rucksack on um, and again I will just borrow a jerry can from camp and pop that in a rucksack that I keep in my in my vehicle actually that I use to drive down here and I'll go off to do a training session maybe in between courses find a hill and I'll go and do hill repeats um, up to maybe I don't know five or six minutes um, to go up because of course when you go down you, you 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 kind of your heart rate and everything's going down I mean it's still raised compared to walking on the flat and you're still having to stop the weight but unless it's super steep it's quite easy going downhill so you don't want too long a break in between doing the ups and downs right so that's why I say if you've got like two or three minutes that you can go up and then down up and down and keep doing that and do do as many of those as you can I mean there are there are protocols for um, doing hill repeats um, a little bit more scientifically but basically find some hills and go up and down it until you've had enough of it basically um, is, is a fairly layman's way of doing it just and you don't have to do that every time you go out if you're used to carrying the backpack anyway just get some get some hill work into your legs as well you know you're not training to do a commando test or something you're just training to go on a backpacking trip you just don't want to be completely um, out of your element when you actually come to the first hill. Um, so yeah, if, if you do a bit of cycling in the gym or um, step, you know, Versa trainers or step, step machine or cross trainer or something just for cardio, go for a walk a few times a week, add some weight, maybe do a bit of work to make sure your calves are strong, maybe find a few hills to go up and down. You'll you'd be, you'd be good, I think. Um, you know, and, and you know, again, world's your oyster if you can do some day walk if you can go out for some day walks in the peak you know if you're in the UK I don't know if you are but you know in the UK you could go to the South Downs or the Peak District or Snowdonia or Scotland and go and do a day hike on a hill and um, if you do that you know once in a while and throw in other stuff that you can do during the week when you're closer to home bit of gym work going out for a walk on a weekend um, or a, a summer evening or what have you you, you keep yourself in reasonably good shape, particularly it's the load carrying as well, particularly not just walking, um, I think makes a big difference. So that when you go out with your, you know, 10 kilos of gear plus a bit of food, maybe even less than 10 kilos of gear in the summer these days, it feels light compared to what you've been training with and it doesn't bother you wearing it all day. Um, so I know I'm not in particularly good backpacking shape at the moment, but clearly I can talk about all of those things because they're all things that I've done in the past to get into shape for backpacking trips and um, cross-country skiing trips and all those sorts of things as well some modifications on those exercises so and that's it um, this is available as as per always on youtube all the podcast platforms etc as an audio file again people ask me why don't you show things because it goes out primarily as an audio podcast and i sit in front of the video camera to record it and it goes onto my youtube as well um, but clearly it's an audio answer to 
a question. That's the point of these shows. Other practical stuff on my YouTube channel, other practical stuff on my site. There are hundreds of lessons, practical lessons on my, got a squirrel running around up there as well, hundreds of lessons on my online elementary uh, courses as well, with the, as well as the continuation study series. Go to onlinebushcraftcourses.com if you want to learn more about that. The online elementary courses open all the time. You can join whenever you like. Um, the continuation study series, you can join that whenever you like, as long as you're a member of the online elementary. But it's cheapest to join when you, when you join the online elementary at the same time. You get a discounted um, starting offer there which is discounted quite significantly and then you stay a member of that as long as you like and it's like a monthly magazine of me doing practical things as well as teaching um you know technical knowledge about certain things as well so knots and fire and um plant identification all sorts of stuff on there go and have a look at that um, and then of course the tree and plant course comes out and we open that every year so there is a lot of other material out there and i'm saying that i know some of you know this but if you're just coming to me for the first time and thinking who's this guy talking this is just my q a session right i do a q a show as part of tons of other stuff that i do um, there's a lot of practical videos and tutorials and if you like reading there are hundreds of thousands of words of descriptive articles on my site at paulcutley.co.uk uh, photo blogs photo tutorials lots and lots of material there and um, you get my fire focus uh, sessions in the online elementary continuation study series but i do have a little free um 10-part lesson uh series called fire fundamentals which is a free course um, i'll put the link uh, below um, but basically you can go to my little short code is pkblog it so pkblog dot it that's my personal little short code that I use, PK for Paul Kirtley, blog.it, PK blog it, forward slash fire fundamentals. That will take you to where you can get that free course as well. Um, it's all free material that's on the web anyway, but I've drawn it all together into a coherent course along with some email guidance about the relevance and context of certain things. Basically gets delivered to you over 10 emails over just under two weeks. That's a nice thing for you to have if you want to see more practical stuff from me. Um, I'm certainly not just sat here talking. And uh, hopefully you found some use in the answers. Hopefully you find some use in all those other materials that are out there. There's my book, Wilderness Act Skills as well, which people keep telling me to plug. I don't have it with me today. Um, WildernessActSkills.com for more information on my book. Yes, I have all these different websites with lots of stuff going on. Um, busy, busy, busy. So. Um, lots for you to get your teeth into there and if you've got questions I'll answer them on this show all right take care see you soon see you in another episode see you somewhere else on the web and maybe even see you on a course or a trip in real life yeah okay take care cheers